Welcome back to Following Noah Donna Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 141, and we are covering chapters 20, 21, and 22 of The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. Paul, welcome back from your honeymoon that you haven't gone on yet. How are you? Oh, <laughs> uh, it was so refreshing, Trevor. Oh my goodness. Wow. I don't know. Whenever this airs, maybe I'll be on the honeymoon. I actually don't know. Who knows? Um, but I- I'm doing great. I- I'm really excited once again. It feels like we're flying through this book. And-, and so that's exciting because I love this book. And two, I'm excited to get through it and, and get Elliot, for- Elliot further into it as well. So we can talk about deep Cosmere things, you know. Elliot? I'm doing good as well. I also am starting to realize that the end of this book is coming up like we are solidly into the the back half of this book already we're gonna be done with it before we know it we're talking about chapters 20 21 and 22 we'll be closing the end of part three or mean part three um next week um that is where we're at we're going to be shelving our words segment uh, I know some of you are very attached to the words and some of you think they're a waste of time. So we are going to be shelving our words and just going with Elliot chapter summaries. Um, but we m- may or may not bring words back for Stormlight 5. Uh, so if you miss our words, they may come back in two years, but not at the moment. Um, so let's get to Elliot's chapter summary. But before that, let's roll the intro. All right, Elliot, what did we read about? We read chapters 20, 21, and 22. It started off back at the manor mansion, Renew. Vin spends a little time with Marsh, working on her bronze burning, seeking, I guess, that skill would be. Learned some interesting stuff there. Marsh kind of explains some of the the benefits and and nuances of burning bronze. I really like that we've gotten oh, no, that's not a chapter summary. I'll save that discussion for later. <laughs> the uh mm-hmm. distracting distracting myself. Look at this. Uh there's a moment in there where Vin tries to soothe Marsh and that doesn't go super that doesn't go over super well. Um but yeah, Vin learns some stuff. Uh Kelsier and Yeden take off they head out to go visit the the army and see how that's going as they're going into the cave where the army is kelsier kind of has some some flashbacks almost to the pit of hathson and his previous experiences there some similarities to the the tunnels he's having to kind of crawl through while they're there visiting the the army kelsier riots one of the kind of dissenters in the army and causes this big yeah. old scene where they have this fight showdown and Kelsier uses his powers to inspire the men with some very you know intentional quotes around inspire there back uh back at the at the ranch 
Vin is talking with Sezed again and gets a, a little lesson on ferrochemy, which I very much appreciated. We learned that ferrochemy is basically the, the storing up of physical qualities in metals, which is pretty cool. There's a brief moment where Spook gives Vin a handkerchief, and that has some meaning attached to it. And then we kind of end up with uh, Doxon giving his uh, his backstory about being a plantation scar. Thank you very much. Yes, there's a couple different things in here that I really enjoyed. Um, but let's start at 20. We get way more sitting down and explaining things than we ever have before um, in the in the podcast history. If you're starting with Mistborn, don't get used to the explanations because they don't last. <laughs> but in this episode, we're, we get more perks and discussions about copper clouds. We get some ferrochemy definitions. Um, and the, the phrase that Marsh uses, I actually really liked. He said that copper can actually blind you is the way he, he phrases it as an allomancer. If you are a mistborn, he's saying you shouldn't always burn your copper because knowing who is burning what at, at what point and who's trying to influence you actually can give you a lot of good information. Uh, and I really enjoyed that as a concept. What, what do you think about it, Paul? I really enjoy all of these moments that Ven has with, with different crewmates. Um, of She's kind of on this almost like quest to see from the specialists, right? Elliot made yeah. this comment before where... Mistborn, like if if someone jumps out at you and you're a Mistborn, you have like a hundred options of things to do. How do you know what to do? Because there's so many things. And so Ven is kind of meeting with each of our Misting friends as they've kind of perfected their craft because that's all the tools they have to use. And I really like that as a concept in general. More specifically to this, it's kind of neat seeing Marsha's perspective and what he says because he's Kelsier's brother, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I just think that's fun in general. It feels like Kelsier has become a moderately controversial character on our on our show, which I think is funny because I didn't think about that at all. My first read through, I was like, Kelsier's the good guy. Yeah, the end, and he is the good guy. But you know, goodish questions questions of ethics, right? Sure. Um, anyways, um. I always like that, and especially since Marsh is a seeker, mm-hmm. I think even Ben says it beforehand. She's like, "I don't really know what I can learn." Like it's kind of viewed as like not as important of a skill of like a a misting ability, um, but still going into it kind of with that open mind and seeing what can I learn um, and the ways that it can be used in a way that doesn't like jump out at you like obviously like a thug like a pewter burner it's like the value of that you instantly feel and see like oh i can like become stronger i can survive more i can hit harder like in a survival situation like this that just makes sense how appealing that would be but this is a little more abstract and creative with the the purpose i think the term they even use in that discussion is is subtle it's it's a more subtle which I agree with you. You have to be a little more clever with how you use it. Pewter, you just you burn it, and you punch things, or run mm-hmm. fast, or yes, exactly. Yeah, he he was explaining how you can actually fine tune your um, 
what are they burning? Bronze. Bronze. Yes, you can you can fine tune your bronze to specifically against uh, emotional like soothers and rioters to figure out what exactly they're trying to soothe or riot. If they're trying to make you more susceptible to something, or make you more angry, or make you more passionate, like there are different frequencies to those burns, and you can find those. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Elliot, he sits Vin down, Vin down, and basically shows her the diagram that you made a couple episodes or several episodes ago, where he's saying there's a pushing internal physical and a pulling external mental, like it's going to slide into one of those categories. Yep. It's very organized. It's very spreadsheet friendly. It's very like categorized and, and well thought out. It, it's like there's yeah different different types of each ability and they all kind of complete a whole picture you, you could have you know like a like almost like a pie chart you know split into different categories and you could sort or you know venn diagram if you really wanted to get you know fancy with it all i i love i love that organization about the magic system there's one other thing in this chapter that i wanted to mention vin seems to pick up that Marsh may have had feelings for Mayor, Kelsier's previous wife, and she picks up that there may have been some drama there because Marsh seems to like hold a grudge against Kelsier for getting her killed, or there's there's something there. I don't know if it's quite that strong, but um she picks up something, Vin picks up something that there may have been a some drama in the past there between uh, brothers and um, and mayor. So, what do you guys think of that? Do you think that's going to come up again, or do you think that's just a side tangent? I think it's likely to come up again. Mayor is not mentioned. I don't think. Maybe she is. Not specifically in context with whatever the divide is between Kelsier and and Marsh. I think that's Vin's assumption. That's kind of Vin's deduction there is that mayor could potentially be the source of this disconnect which that i did not expect that kind of caught me a little off guard that maybe there's a little bit of a love triangle perhaps going on here of the two brothers fighting over the the same girl kind of vibe going down might explain why marsh is so grumpy all the time he is rather grumpy so to answer your question of do you think this is an important thing I've always been under the assumption that no, it's not. It's not actually going to be a big deal. It felt like it for a little bit. Whenever I read this, it, it did stick out to me that like, oh, like, obviously Mare seems to have been like really incredible because seems obviously super influential to Kelsier, right? It, it is, it was like Kelsier, it was his wife. So like, hmm. obviously that's important on its own, right? regardless of who Mare is. But knowing this about Marsh, it kind of gives the impression that she's honestly just like really, really, I don't know, this sounds cliche, but just really likable in general. That like most people, I'm guessing if both brothers liked her, then, you know, she was probably really incredible. And it almost adds to the like sadness that may be because of um, Kelsier losing her. But the... What were you? What were you thinking, Elliot? Finish your thought, and then I'll, I'll rebut. 
I, I was going to say, I feel like my thought is kind of pointless. <laughs> In all honesty, it's not like, I don't, pointless. It's, it's not pointless, but it's like, I think that may be digging in a little too far, especially for me saying, I don't think this is going to be like a reoccurring thing. I, I mean, there's probably some like level of, maybe of brotherly resentment for that, but I don't know. It does come up, so maybe it's not. But in my head, it's something that's old news. Um, and and Ven is being let into, like, like to know that about this, but that it is old news kind of thing. If, if I just took this scene on its own, kind of in a vacuum, I think I would, I would agree with that. I'd very much be in that mindset of maybe there was a dispute in the past. Maybe they fought over the girl. That's why Marsha's grumpy, but it's in the past. It's gone. However, I can't get out of the back of my mind the fact that Mare is the alleged betrayer of Kelsier. So that that plays into this in my mind. If if Mare really is the one who turned Kelsier in to the Lord Ruler, shouldn't shouldn't Marsh resent that? Shouldn't yeah. shouldn't Marsh have a negative reaction towards that? It doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like Marsh is still of the mindset of, man, that darn Kelsier, he mistreated the the woman I loved or stole the woman I loved. What a what what an unfortunate, you know, whatever. He's got that chip on his shoulder. I don't think he'd have that chip on his shoulder if he's thinking about the fact that Mare had betrayed them all, or at least Kelsier. Yeah. So now now I'm starting to get suspicious. Like, well, hang on a second. Was Mare framed? Is Marsh our betrayer? Like, all, all of all of this, taken on its own, seems like nothing. But when I start to kind of compare it to other bits of information we have, I, I start to draw some things and be like, well, hold on a second. This, this grudge could point to other things. I'm a little suspicious now. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. I, I honestly was forgetting the details because I, for, I genuinely, I've read this twice now, thus thus far into it a second time, that Mare did betray Cal... Sorry, Kelsier, <laughs> not Cal... <laughs> what? Did bet- yeah, That's going to happen again. Did betray Kelsier. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's a really good point. About it being like a framing potentially, um, I don't know. Mayor, I don't know how far to run with that. Mayor certainly claimed that she didn't, but of course she's going to, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not guaranteed that she would deny it if she did it. Right. If she didn't do it, of course, one hundred percent she denies it. If she did turn Kelsier, and then she's probably going to deny it but not guaranteed you know yeah it's not enough for me to say like marsh is now suspect number one i'm i'm not that far Uh, all i'm at is there seems to be a grudge there seems to be some kind of chip on his shoulder mayor seems to have something to do with it who would that tie into this whole who betrayed kelsey or question solid maybe anything else for 20 all right, 21. 21 is a pretty long chapter, and it's all about Kelsier visiting the the caves. And he takes a canal boat. It takes him, what, two weeks to get up 
to this forest via canal boat. And then he shows off all of his allomancing. I hate that that's a verb. He shows up shows off all of his skills to the army and gets some kids in trouble, promotes some kids, and leaves. And uh, th that's pretty much the whole chapter. What did you guys get out of this one? Honestly, a lot of it I didn't get much of. It, it was helpful information. We got to learn about the, the caves. We got to interact with a couple of new characters. We get to see Yeadon take over the generalship of the army command takes over command of the army who was in charge of the army before was it uh ham ham hammond so a little bit of hammond a little uh changing of the guard there i i really focused in on the very end of the chapter which yeah. was the the conflict bit which i know we'll get to in a second but yeah the rest of it was fairly informational not super deep so i i'm actually curious to ask elliot so I'm curious to know, like, what is your envisionment of the pits of Hathsin thus far? Mm. Um, right now, like, every time I hear the pits of insert thing, whatever pit, anything with the word pit, I always think of, like, almost a coliseum setting just naturally in a fantasy world. I don't know why. That's just I always think of a sub form of coliseum setting, which is not exactly what this is for sure. Um, it's more of like a, I mean, I picture it more so as like mining area, almost like treacherous mining. Um, but anyways, I'm actually curious to know, like, what is your envisionment of the Pits of Hassan? Just can like I, overall. Can I answer this yeah. first and then we'll have yes. Elliot answer? So yes. I had no memory of physical descriptions of Pits of Hassan going into read number two here. So I keep envisioning it as like, this massive, like, mile-by-mile mile hole in the ground that's been terraced down, like, over and over. And then at the bottom, there's, like, more caves that you that are, you know, a bunch of smaller, like, shafts down, and you get led into this. And that's those are the pits of Hatson. It's, like, this huge mining quarry. Um, I don't know if that's really technologically possible with what they have, but um, it's more going to be, like you're mining out cave like pre-existing caves which is what the yeah. the description that we get but that that's not what is in my head i imagine this huge like bowl um and way at the bottom is there there's more caves that you walk down into interesting uh, yeah i have like i i said the whole pits thing of a coliseum like i know it's not that that's just what i think of whenever i like look at the words right um but i've kind of envisioned it not exactly like you've been saying Trevor, but similar in that it's like mining like pre-existing caves kind of thing but it's like a you can get into but you can't get out of for whatever perilous reason okay i mean i'm assuming that there is a remarkable natural disaster risk like n natural danger i guess not like necessarily like rock falls or things but like I just always imagine sharp edges and stuff that, like, it'd be so easy for you to fall and die or, I don't know, get impaled. I, I envision that, I think, because it talks so much about the scars all over Kelsier's arms. Right. And it's those are from the pits of Hathsin, so I assume that it was very easy to cut yourself, I guess. Anyways. I, I revised my imagination after reading this chapter. 
So similar I did too. path that you just explained, Trevor. Before this, I was thinking of industrial mining, you know, pit mining, just like you described with, with like, you know, Paris down, it's this huge pit where, you know, it's going to take you a day to walk all the way around or whatever that might be. There's huge, you know, mining trucks and front end loaders. I mean, not actually, right, but that's right, what it would look right. like in our world. The, uh, but reading this chapter, Kel typically describes it differently. He describes it as like worming his way through like cracks and crevices and having to track down geodes. He he he's, talks specifically about the, the mining of ATM. Yes, he's going spelunking, and they were tasked with finding geodes. Not it, it sounds like not necessarily you know. I think of mining as more like finding a, a vein of ore and you know trying to excavate as much of that ore out of the vein that you can. It sounds like that's not necessarily the case. That this is more of a you're kind of individually crawling through caves and and digging your way through to try and find geodes. And I think I think it was this chapter too that even talked about the the quota that they're supposed to find like one geode a week. Yeah. Or something like that. That is that's not very much. That's like almost nothing. Which side note is making me reconsider some of my previous comments and theories about the final empire having to have warehouses upon warehouses to store all this ATM that they've been mining for hundreds of years. Well, if they're only finding one geode per week per miner, that's way less than I thought we were talking about here. So maybe ATM is is not quite in as much quantity as I was assuming before. So I have to revise some of those things. But yes, in this chapter, I started to imagine now spelunking, which if you've ever gone spelunking is is pretty intense. There There's some actual, there's some good caves not far from where Trevor, you and I live here in, in Colorado. And I've, I've gone multiple times with friends, you know, just on our own. And you can, you can crawl and wiggle through holes and crevices that are, you know, only about 18 inches wide, you know, just enough to kind of squeeze your shoulders through. And it's, if you're claustrophobic, it gets pretty terrifying pretty fast when you're just kind of wiggling your way in the pitch black, you know, through these holes down, down into the, the, these, these caves, it's, it's a ton of fun, but it's pretty intense at the the same time. And that's now what I'm imagining this mining in the, the pits of Hathsin is Kelsier's crawling around in there on his own for days at a time, trying to find one single geode to meet his weekly quota so he doesn't get killed. And then the scars on the arms bit too was interesting. I assumed that was going to be some kind of a punishment, that mm. that was some kind of torture that the the guards of this place are inflicting upon the the prisoners upon the the workers but it sounds like that's not necessarily the case i think he specifically talks about having to like reach into crevices and whatnot to try and get these geodes and slicing up his arm as he's you know reaching past these razor sharp rocks to try and get to these geodes so it seems like the actual you know act of gathering the atm is what scarred his arms up so bad yeah the the way he explains these pits, and he says that they're pretty similar to the pits of Hatsin, is he just kind of describes it as you're walking through a forest, and then there's just this fissure in the floor, and you kind of just drop down into the fissure. And then it just keeps going and going and going and going. And I'm not sure if I can, like, completely validate that in my head with, like, earth caves, because I feel like 
that they do those do exist but they're not very common i i feel like caves are usually more horizontal in entrance as opposed to just a hole you i, I need to take you to those caves uh, i've that been are, that are not I've been once. here because it, it literally is like there's just a big boulder and kind of on the side down at the bottom of the boulder there's just a little crack in the ground it's maybe you know two feet by a foot and you look at that and you're like what but if you crawl through it it just keeps going and going and going sometimes down sometimes sideways sometimes down what it doesn't do is open up into a cavern which i assume right. that these caves in our story have to do if you if you're hiding thousands of men in here it has to open up into a habitable space at some point right i'm i'm envisioning the glittering caves except you enter from above and then there's like this little trail that you have to get down to, and then it opens up. Yeah, which, which I'm having a really yeah. hard time picturing. It's a bit, a bit of spelunking first before you get there. Um, side note: we meet in this chapter Captain Demu, and Captain Demu is the guy who defends Kelsier's Kelsier's honor, and he fights this guy that Kelsier has rioted, which we'll talk about here in a second. Captain Demu is my favorite character from Mistborn Era One. And we'll talk about him later. Well, thank you, Captain. Elliot's like, why on earth is this guy your favorite character? <laughs> <laughs> like this, this dude is, you know, like Reg. Point. It's like, um, okay, great, another guy I don't need to care about. Moving on. Exactly. All right. At the end of the chapter, Kelsier is dissatisfied with his visit. He's like, I need a, I need a coup de gras. Like, I need to leave these guys with, like, inspiration and, you know, um, a real good punch um, before, I, before I leave. And so he incites, like, a confrontation. He riots this poor guy's um, emotions. And he asks Ham, I think, and he's like, you know, who's the troublemaker? And Ham says, well, all the real troublemakers are in prison. Um but that guy over there, he's kind of a troublemaker, but he hasn't really done anything illegal yet. He's just vocal about he's not sure if he wants to be here or not. So Kelsey picks on him and says, and starts riding his emotions into this whole vocal fight in front of like, a, you know, a thousand men or whatever. And then he sparks a duel between Captain Demu and this guy, I don't remember his name, um... And he alters the duel with steel pushing and iron pulling at like he's he's basically using Demu as a puppet and swinging his sword for him and using like making it very obvious that he's influencing the battle because Demu is like you know a short guy and the the guy that he just picked this fight with is huge and he's definitely going to lose this fight anyway. Yidin actually tells him after the battle, yo. There is no way we can lose. You just proved that we have God on our side, and you should have told me we all had divine power, not just you. And that's how the scene ends. That, like, wow, that was so cool. We can't lose now. What are you guys' thoughts on... that? And Ham vocalizes, yo, what you just did was not okay. That You just... You just lied to a thousand people telling them that they've got divine attributes by being on your side my initial reaction to this as i was reading it was one i feel like Yidin is 
overreacting. Like just just because in one duel you see the powers of Alamancy or whatever mystic aura Helsier is bestowing upon them at play, for him to immediately jump to oh my gosh, we're so OP, we can't lose, is like, well, hold on here, bro. All you saw was one one duel where the guy who should have obviously lost won. Like, cool your jets a little bit. But, and, th- and then my, I thought Ham was overreacting a little bit too. It's like, ah, Kelsey's just trying to inspire the folks. He's just trying to give them something to feel good about. You know, they're, they've got a big task in front of them. They're going to need a lot of motivation to go up against a much more well-equipped and highly trained army. So when I when I first read it, I was like, eh, it's fine. When I read it again later, I, I definitely was more in the like, yeah, this is fairly solidly gray area, morally, ethically. It I, I think he does go beyond trying to motivate the troops a bit. I don't know that I'm fully on board of like, oh my gosh, he directly lied to them. This is horrible. And more of like a, yeah, that probably wasn't smart. Kelsey, that that probably wasn't smart. I feel like we've entertained this question a lot. Is Alamancy lying? Is, is this is this cheating? Is what we're doing? Cheating? It's it. Yes, in a lot of senses. Lying? Eh. I guess. I mean, it depends on what you're telling people. If you're telling people that. It is divine power and not allomancy that gave Demu this strength and skill and speed and whatnot. Then yes, that is lying. If it is just allomancy that you're using, ah, but what's the um, difference? Is allomancy not divine power? Yeah, I guess it depends on how you're defining divine power. Allomancy is something that people understand, right? These guys don't. It's, though. It's... That's that's the point. They okay. That makes sense then. I guess. Because in my head, I'm like, if you understand the general premise, you're not, you know, you're not well read, but you understand the general premise of what Alamancy can and can't do, then it kind of makes sense, you know? Like, you could see how this could happen. It's like the soft magic system versus a hard magic system. Hard being, we know the rules of Alamancy. Soft being, oh, we have a divine blessing, therefore we're stronger. Right. And that's the explanation you have. Um... I mean, we don't really know if the, like... I mean, I guess you could say that Alamancy is, like, a divine power. I think you could make that argument, if if you know about the Cosmere well, stuff. But but we don't really, like, really know that, you know? So we we talked about this once already when Breeze was doing his yeah. recruiting. Because yep. he makes the direct counter-argument of saying, I'm just using the skills that that I have to help them make the right choice. And the the question was like, eh, or are you manipulating them and forcing them to make a choice that they don't actually want to make? Like that was the line. And Breeze was like, no, I, I'm just, you know, convincing them really well. And Vin or Ham or whoever was arguing f- with him is like, yeah, but are you really, do they actually have any choice in, in this matter? And that was kind of the, the argument, I feel like we're back to that again. Is Kelsey yeah. or are you are you using something that they don't understand to force them effectively force them into what you want them to do? Or are you 
using the resources that you have available to inspire the the troops. I don't know. I think I lean more towards the this is probably not ethically justifiable. So yeah, specifically because the Scott don't understand the rules of Allomancy, I think this is pretty firmly, like you said, Elliot, in the gray area, which Kelsier seems to pride himself on residing in that area. He does a very good job of keeping things ethically gray. Kel Kelsier is a solid uh, chaotic neutral at this point, for mm -hmm. sure. Not chaotic good? No. Okay. Very, very specifically chaotic neutral. Okay. Based on actions just like this. I was going to say, I think he'd think of himself as chaotic good. Potentially. Yes, I, I would agree with that. All right. Chapter 22. Spook, who is... Who is he related to in the group? Doxon. Doxon? Clubs. Clubs? Clubs. Is it's... it clubs? I think so. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Wow. And we're supposed to be I'm the a... experts. Let me put two boxings on it being clubs. Two okay. boxings? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Bold. Pretty confident. Anyway, he okay. gives Vin a handkerchief and refuses to elaborate because he's super embarrassed, runs away. And Vin's like, okay, what the heck was that? And then Doxon later, or no, it later, um, tells her or asks her, where'd you get the handkerchief from? And Vin says, oh, well, you know, uh, Spook just handed it to me and ran off. And Sazed kind of chuckles to himself. He's like, yeah, I figured that was happening at some point. Because um, apparently everybody knows that Spook has a crush on Vin, and, except for Vin. Um, and so Sazed explains to her that, yes, it's, it is an old noble tradition that if you like a girl, you hand her a handkerchief as intent to court or intent to um, have feelings for you, whatever. What did you guys think of of offering your your handkerchief? It's so cute. We should bring this trend back to real I society. I agree. That'd be so so classic, you know. <laughs> Elliot is is I feel like in disagreement <laughs> looking at his reaction. I, I mean, I, I'm not against it. I guess I've always thought the whole idea of a handkerchief in general was pretty. Gross. Gross? Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. Great. Let's come talk on, about handkerchiefs for a second. That is so gross. I'm going to clean up all this stuff and then uh, stuff it back in my pocket and use it later. And then give it to the girl I like, because that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, depending on where you live, obviously, flower, giving flowers is a current day um, like gesture of affection. Handkerchief mm -hmm. is way more solid and like material right flowers are gonna die within a week handkerchief is like that's just pessimistic trevor i'm giving you a square of cloth this is way better than a flower <laughs> what do you get so you can i mean you can wipe your nose you can't <laughs> I mean, so you can take my token of my love and maybe if she's brought to tears by the display of affection it would, it would mm, there you go right? um trevor i'm gonna just uh, disregard your argument. Uh, uh, you are right in that a handkerchief is probably more functional than a flower as to wiping your nose or things. However, flowers are beautiful and handkerchiefs are 
you wipe your nose Still with a flower, you're going to sneeze. I don't think I'd sneeze. It depends on the flower, maybe. Who knows? But flowers are beautiful, and uh, if anyone ever wanted to get me flowers, you're welcome to do so. Overrated. Wow. Trevor's had this view for a long time. We've talked about it before. It has been a schism I, between I, Paul I and I. This is, this is a recurring uh, yeah. old, old blood issue here. <laughs> We're helping a friend decide what to do for Valentine's Day, and I was a large proponent of flowers, and Trevor was not. Long story yes. short. True. But as as far as this goes... um. I think it's I think it's funny. I think it's funny that we the reader as far as I remember, this is the first time we're learning that Spook has a crush on Vin as well. Yes. Is that right? But besides him acting like all awkward around her. I mean, yes. Y- yes. Yeah. yeah. I I could picture this more so like a movie than a lot of scenes we've seen. There's a lot of good action which which is like great, but this I could just picture this as being really really funny of Spook walking up and maybe trying to say something, but like not really actually saying anything and then handing off this handkerchief and just kind of scurrying away and just like also just beating himself up afterwards. Just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't say anything like, you know, just getting all frustrated about it. And I think it's really funny. I'm actually a little bit nervous about this because spook seems odd. And maybe it's not odd, and it's just like he comes from a different culture or background or something like that. There's kind of the the funny way he talks, which they explain as a dialect, but when you're reading, it's it's very confusing because it's not just like an accent. Right. It's like a different grammar system. You know, the 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 nouns and the verbs are not where you want them to be. Right. And so. While, while yes, on the surface, this is all kind of cute and silly and, oh, he's got a crush on on Vin. I'm a little worried at Vin's ignorance of, like, what it means, you know? Spook gives him gives her the, the handkerchief. She doesn't even know what it is. I'm a little worried that, like, maybe Vin's going to end up doing something that's going to be hurtful or not okay in Spook's culture or system and end up, like really hurting him without even realizing what's going on. Yeah. That's my fear. That Vince just kind of like, oh yeah, whatever, he's a silly kid, and end up like mortally offending him somehow. I do I do think it highlights well that Vin really pictures herself as a part of the older crew and uh Spook is the kid who's in the crew with everybody else, including her. But Seizet is quick to point out, you're only a year older than Spook. Because Spook is completely not on her radar, like, you know, romantically or whatever. So she says, what is this What is this kid thinking? That's so silly. And Seizet said, he's 16, you're 17. Like, that's completely normal. Did you uh, enjoy your fair Kimmy lesson, Elliot? I I did. This book has been quite consistent in dropping a concept and then pretty quickly like within three chapters following it up with an explanation i itty bitty tiny mild spoilers for stormlight i'm not used to that i'm i'm used to a concept getting dropped and having to wait hundreds of pages to get my my explanation so to uh to get it here is 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 nice it's nice to have a little quick lesson from says and vin kind of has to drag it out of him too Yes. She has to be like, 
well, you know, if you don't tell me about ferrochemy, then I'm not going to be very much use in your research project. And Sayazad's like, fine, fine, I'll tell you. And I thought the answer was fairly close to what I was inferring from my previous guesses. Maybe not quite the same. I like the concept. I like the, and Sayazad kind of talks about this, the the differences, the similarities and differences to allomancy, where ferrochemy is storing up physical attributes in a metal. And it can be a lot of different physical attributes. So you could do like strength. You can do like senses, I think it said. You can you can store up like you know extra senses like like burning tin kind of memories. That was a big one. Is you can store your memories in copper, which by the way, I very quickly put two and two together and realized copper mind must come from that, which is a website that is incredibly useful if you'd like to glean information from memories. Spoil yourself on the entire Cosmere. Yep, it's all right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is. And, and that. And that. So, yeah, I, I feel like I understand the basics of ferrochemy now, which is pretty cool. Bare bone basics, yes. What, yes. What yes, yes. said will admit to Vin within like two paragraphs. Um, yes, so he says that you can store strength and store memories, and that's how the keepers were formed back in the day. There was a, a hunt for uh, all the terracemen who were using these copper mines back in the day, and the terracemen quickly realized we need to go into hiding and we need to keep these copper mines as safe as possible and diversify them as much as possible so that we can preserve this history that the Lord Ruler apparently wants to eliminate. Um, and he says, even if one of us survive the Lord Ruler, then we can restore all of this history and all of this culture back to Scadriel, um, which uh, says it certainly views as important. Um, so that, that is the gist of the Keepers. So I, I thought that was pretty cool that... There is a an underground info network group who are passing down information in, in very physical form. And then Vin goes and talks to Doxin. And Doxin has a more uh, depressing conversation with Vin, I think. He has a very cynical view of the nobleman, as with most of the crew do. And he makes some pretty blatant accusations of the nobleman that makes Vin question everything that she knows or has begun to learn about these noblemen that she's been getting to know. Um, Doxin just says, yeah, they're all horrible people. All, all of them without fail down to a single person has done all of these atrocities, not a, a single exception, um, which I'm not sure I could like, I buy into that. Um, but that's certainly what Doxon and Kelsier believe. So, what do you guys think of that? With comparing Doxon's attitude to Kelsier, and they have a similar bottom line, and that they lump all noblemen into this category of bad. Yeah. But Do Doxon seems a little more level on the emotional side of it. Doxon seems just very straightforward, like. Yep, I've been there. I've seen terrible things. They're all bad. Kelsier seems to be a little more emotional. Kelsier seems to have this like 
visceral reaction like when he sees a nobleman it's like oh you 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 need to i I need to wipe all of you off there seems to be this much more revenge driven or much more i don't know emotional response somehow whereas dachshund is just fairly yeah i've seen you all do terrible things haven't met a good one yet we should probably get rid of them all sort of thing i don't know which approach i like worse or better (laughs) but like worse yeah he definitely had an emotional story to share he shares a bit of his backstory we get to learn about him a little more and a a a a love that he had in his past a, a woman who was taken and and murdered from him and you know these experiences that he's been through that were obviously very traumatic it seems like he's maybe come through it a little less scarred than Kelsier, but yeah, still in the, I, I'm I'm still on the Vin side of things of it's, it's a little too far to completely generalize an entire people group into a, they must all be eradicated because of these actions that that starts to get into genocide. Yeah. Anything else before we talk about a little bit of Stormlight spoilers? Not much. I think this was probably the, you mentioned earlier, probably the, the slowest set of chapters we've had yet in this book. Yeah. Not any, not much action. Although I guess we did get a fight scene with Kelsey here in the little duel, but. Spar scene. Same. Not a, not trees falling out of the sky onto Inquisitors. Ah, uh, yes. It's a great episode. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Da 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 da. Stormlight stuff. Okay. Um, Stormlight stuff. <clears throat> we got a quick note from Sazed that the nobility wears metal. Because why? It's like a it's like a flex. It's a fashion they, thing. They they right? do it. Yes, it's a fashion thing, and it kind of showcases like, yeah. So what? I have metal on me. Like I'm. It's popularized by the Lord Ruler, right? Mm-hmm. It's the Lord Ruler wears metal, and it's kind of like a go ahead, try to try to alimance it. I'm way stronger than you can ever be, so That's, I do not care. That is certainly the reasoning they use in this chapter. Yes, that um, is what we're told. I'm going to pry this a little further. Why does Sazed wear metal? He's a ferrochemist. So, is it entirely plausible that the Lord Ruler is a ferrochemist and trying to hold on to certain things of his own, right? Because he certainly knows about ferrochemy um, because he's hunting said ferrochemists. So I would quickly jump to the conclusion myself that the Lord Ruler is ferrochemy. Didn't like that word. Um, okay. Ferrochemming. So the, the, the definition we get for ferrochemy is you have to be touching it like you have to have the metal on you and it gives you a memory or strength or something, right? I thought I'm I had asking, to like... I'm asking Elliot. Oh, okay. But because you and I, Paul, we're going to have rules that are in our head that I'm not sure that were <laughs> explained in that chapter. That's fair. Yeah, the chapter didn't go super far. It was different metals hold different stuff. You have to be touching it. I think in this chapter it drops that you can't, share your metal with others that it's it's your power in that metal it's you that has to use it okay um that's like as far as the rules went okay 
I'm bringing this up in the Roshar segment because is there anyone on Roshar that is defined by has metal on them? There was someone with a bunch of earrings, right? In Words of Radiance. There it is. Elliot, who is it? Well, so we have an organization of people that have rings. Yes. Who is it? Well, I'm thinking of the uh, names going back in time here. I almost said the Traders Guild, but that's a Dune thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's the um, Sons of Honor. Is it Sons Sons of of Honor? Honor? Yes. So there is a, a member of the Sons of Honor that shows up and is described as rings on her finger lady. Yeah. Whose rings on her finger lady? What does she do? Do you guys remember? Is it Zindwet or whatever yes, that name Zindwet. is? Zindwet. Wow. is the lady who gives Esh... Benly, Benly, who gives yes. Benly her first void sphere with a void spread in it. Yeah. Yep. Aren't there rings on the other dude that That's raised... what I Yes. Hunts down. So and like we connected the two of them because of that, and we're like, ooh, ring people, they're a organization. Yep. So Navani in the prologue gets to run around real quick with what's her face? Elokar's wife. Asidon. Asidon, thank you. And Asidon is talking to the scholar dude. And yeah. Rushur Chris is his name. And Rusher Chris is ring dude. He's got a bunch of rings on his finger, and he's a really smart uh, scholar. Are you guys putting two and two together yet? You're saying that that person may be a fair... Rusher Chris is a fair chemist? I am saying that, yes. Rusher Chris is a fair chemist. Anybody who shows up on Roshar that's like, oh, they got a bunch of rings on their hand. Pause. You get... Now you have to... The more we learn about ferrochemy, the more you're going to notice any metal that is being placed on a person, you're going to be like, bing! That person is either from Skadril or knows things about Skadril. Here's my... I, I follow all that logic, and I love the, the Cosmere implications of this, and it makes me want to go back and read the entirety of Stormlight Archive to look for people wearing yes, metal. you're welcome. <laughs> However, I'm... I'm still really hesitant to jump to these conclusions because of the magical connections to the shards. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. Still am, I'm still am stuck in this Roshar mindset of you can't take Rosharian magic off of the planet. Yep. And I'm, I'm confused why this may not be the case for our Scadrial magics. And even if AVR. we've got. Why do AVR work? Off. like why Excellent. does why does yeah. Marais have two AVR and why are they functioning off of first of the sun? Exactly, exactly. And so to to have people bringing metal with them to Roshar and using its magical abilities, I this is my my stormlight bias showing here, but I'm immediately confused by that. I'm sure all the the people who start with Mistborn are are like not confused by that at all and they're wondering why i'm even questioning that but i i want to know why that's okay i want to know why that's okay how does that work yeah i actually have a thought on this i'm probably wrong this is probably going to be disproved but i'm thinking it in the context of an item versus a resource okay if that makes sense like 
Rosharan magic is from Stormlight, which seems to be... I mean, each of our different magic systems are unique, and I do not know every magic system, so take this theory probably with a grain of salt. But it could be that metal inherently has magical power, and Ferrochemists can harness it, or other people can har- like Alamancers can harness that, or things like that, right? Right. Um, whereas Stormlight is different. I'm thinking about how that would work with AVR. Like, an AVR is like an, I mean, in this case, an object. It's an animal, but, you know, uh, like an object that inherently has that power. And maybe metal is the same. Like, we've seen a lot with aluminum just kind of passively being a deterrent and, and things in the Cosmere. Yeah. Uh, even without, like, reading Mistborn. You're like, oh, aluminum, you know, in, in, from other stories. Um, so I could see it being like that. Stormlight may just be like the, in my head, it's the unique one out. We've seen breaths be used on Roshar. Mm-hmm. Um, True. And, I mean, I can't think of an example off the top of my head where I've seen, like, elements he used on Roshar. Yeah, I was going to bring that up um, if you didn't. But if you're saying that Roshi, Rushu Chris is... Ferrochemist. I mean, ferrochemy is also different from allomancy. So it could be that they're ferrochemists and not allomancers. It could mean a lot of things. So, but anyways, that's where my mind is. Is it's like maybe there's magic tied to the physical item, the physical being, and stormlight isn't tied to a physical being. You, Maybe hypothetically, if you breathed in a bunch of, like, sucked in a bunch of stormlight and held it in for a second and then went to another planet instantly, you could use it. Because, like, right. it's held in an object of yourself, if that makes sense. I have no idea. But that, that's where my mind is. So you used a, a, a specific word in there that I kind of want to flush out a little bit. You said passive. It seems that Al, you said it seems that aluminum has a passive ability on on investiture. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you, it definitely does. I would say that it seems like iron and steel don't, right? Because they have iron and steel on Roshar. They seemingly have no alamancering-ness going on on Roshar, right? Or at least mm-hmm. we, we haven't seen it. Um, Side and that, note... I can let you finish your thought, but I have something to come back to. Um, and the same goes with silver. So on Threnody, there's investiture shades running everywhere. There's basically spread, if, if you want to use that term, running around everywhere. And you can shoot silver at said spread, and they react to it um, without any investiture involved. The only investiture involved is the shade that you're shooting the silver at. So I would say silver also has a passive quote-unquote, ability. Um, yeah, I don't know... I don't think we've seen Alamancy on Roshar, but we... I can I can confirm for you guys, we certainly have seen Ferrochemy on Roshar. That's been confirmed by Mr. Sanderson. So, it's a really good question. Why can we see... Why have we seen Ferrochemy and not Alamancy off-world? And why... Why are the ghost bloods so like explicitly bent on getting stormlight off of Roshar? When I 
I guess that's another factor in my whole, I was expecting magic to not transfer across worlds because that seemed to be this huge goal was, oh, if we can get Stormlight off of Roshar, we can rule the galaxy. And yet you can apparently go use all the other magic systems everywhere. So why is why is Stormlight so important if you could instead just go get a whole bunch of breaths off of um, whatever that planet is and I can never remember? Nalthus. Nalthus? Nalthus, It's, it's yeah. never said in the book is why you don't remember it. It's just a copper um, mine thing. Yeah, or, or just go spend a bunch of years on Scadrill storing up all of your power in metals and then just carry those around your backpack and now you've got all this all this power at your disposal. Why is why is Stormlight so valuable? It's why is Stormlight question. different? The thought I was thinking of that I wanted to come back to, I think I, I'm thinking more that it's not quite right. It, it was it was honestly a technicality of like, okay, well on Roshar it's very possible that they just don't have alimentic grade metal like the alloys or whatever aren't right and so an alimentor can't burn them because they get sick sure and, you know all the stuff like it's not actually fit you'd have to bring those metals from schedule hypothetically like of of a good whatever the right percentage right um to burn and that would explain why we haven't really seen it because maybe it's really rare to have like burnable metal but i think that's kind of a lame answer when I think about it, like that's that's kind of lame. So I'm I'm leaning away from that. But that that thought popped into my head earlier. I I would assume there's a specific definition of why we see one and not the other, and it's not just a luck thing. Because if there's ferrochemy on Roshar, there's certainly been tried allomancy on Roshar. Yes. Um, so it's either it is there and we just haven't seen it, or it's not there and there's a specific reason for it. Any other stormlight stuff you guys want? chime in on before we close the episode now we're running a little bit long but something that popped into my head literally as we were having the discussion 20 minutes ago which was you know we talked about the the, the moral justification for kelsier and his inspiring the troops by lying to them or manipulating them mm -hmm. i thought in that discussion back to some of the shalon activities at the beginning of Words of Radiance. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the uh, the slavers that she comes across. And uh, there's a specific guy's name who she, like, specifically inspires. Bluth or something like that. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, draws a picture of him in this epic, heroic manner. And this act of visualizing him as he could be we see it actually play out that he does take more heroic actions because of what Shalon kind of opens his eyes to. And so I think there's a comparison to be had there of Shalon's methods versus Kelsier's methods of like, where, where's the line between okay and not okay. Yeah. And I think it might be in this whole letting the person take the steps for themselves. I think Shalon paints a picture of what someone could be and then lets that person take the actions to get there. Whereas Kelsier forces the person's hand. Yeah. And and, and is also lying to them at the same time. He's he's saying, You're awesome, because watch what you can do, even though that's me kind of 
puppeteering you to get there. Whereas Shalon is more of like, look what you could be, be a better person to get there. It's a it's a very nuanced difference, but I wonder if that's the important part. Anything else? I think that's a really good distinction, Elliot. I kind of think you hit the nail on the head of like kind of the difference we see with Kelsier's character. But that's all I have. That's all I got. All right. Let's reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me. Paul and Elliot. See ya, see ya.